We're continuing our series titled New Life in Christ through the epistles of John and Jude. And we get to 3 John. It's a very short letter. And right away, I think a few things stand out. And one, it sounds very personal, doesn't it? Of how John starts uh, this letter. And you may be even thinking, wow, why is this personal letter here in the scriptures for all of us as a church, as a body and congregation to read and to, to go through and, and literally pick through his words and try to understand, right? But look at verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius. I've heard it pronounced Gaius, Gaius, whatever, Gaius. I'll go with Gaius. Whom I love in truth. There are a few places in the New Testament where we are introduced to someone with that same name of, of Gaius, you know, in Acts and 1 Corinthians and Romans. But uh, Gaius was apparently a really common name. And in fact, there's no reason for us today, as we read this, to think or to understand Gaius as one of the previously introduced uh, peoples in uh, Scripture. Uh, I think for our understanding, we just have to consider him to be a faithful member, maybe even a faithful leader in a local church. And he was serving there, most likely. That local church had some trouble. There was some strife. And I'm not going to get into it today. Uh, we're, con- we're going to continue looking at Third uh, John next few weeks. And so I'll, I'll let that uh, play out. And we'll concentrate on, the, on just these four verses. And maybe just we'll shed a little light on what, what's said in the rest of the letter for our understanding uh, today. But, you know, John identifies himself as what? The elder. And that's a funny way to identify yourself if it is truly just a personal letter. It gives us the idea that maybe John was writing in a more official capacity. Like if I was writing to a friend, I wouldn't say, you know, Pastor Sam. I, I would just, you know, hey, bro or friend or whatever I'm used to calling him. And here he, he uses that title. And, and I think from that position of leadership and that position of authority uh, in this local church, it, it's something then... For all of us today, as well as that local church way back then, could could learn from and draw truth from. He talks to Gaius as a beloved friend, someone he loves in truth. Uh, That loving in truth, we we could say maybe it just means he truly loved him. Like, I really like you, bro. You're you're my friend. You're Gaius. But that love in truth, I think if... As we see this whole letter uh, really bear out, it makes sense then to, to, to see John saying, you know what, yes, you're my beloved friend and brother, but a big part of that and why I love you is because we were, you, you are in the truth. We walked in the truth together. We, we served in that truth together. We, we moved forward together, and we, that was what we aspired to do, to work in that truth of, of, of the gospel. You know, I, you know, today it's, it's, you know, it's, it, I consider Paul, I don't know what he considers me as, but, I, you know, I consider him as a dear brother, right, a, a younger brother. We, I've, I've shared this, but Sophia's friends thought he was my son, and uh, that, you know, he was, that's how young he looked and how old I looked at the time. Um, we went together to pick up Sophia, and they were like, oh, we didn't know you had an older brother, and I was like, man. Older brother. Um, but yeah, I, you know, there's, I felt like there's been weeks 
at Crossway where I almost spent as much time with him as I did with my own family uh, doing church. And so for me, that's a, that's a big part of our relationship was that we had this same goal and we were working together. We're living that idea of, man, how can we serve God more? How can we serve church more? How can we help be a part of building Crossway uh, into something special? And I think that's what John, as he reaches out to Gaius here, I think that's at the heart of what he's about to say. Look at verse 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. What's unique about this prayer is it's very different from how we tend to pray for our friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. When someone is struggling physically or financially, they lost their job or, or their health is you know, deteriorating or the illness or sickness or, yeah, they got COVID or something. We, we pray and we say, look, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And also I pray that, man, spiritually, hey, stay strong. Trust God. Hang in there, right? And, and so there's the spiritual aspect of praying for our friends and brothers and sisters in Christ as well. And we ask God to help them to be strong. But what's different here is as John prays and says, I'm praying for you, Gaius. He says, look, I know you're already spiritually strong. You're already spiritually healthy. I know that. So now he's saying, man, if only your health and everything else would go as well for you as how you're doing spiritually. Imagine if that's how people would pray for us. Amen. However you're doing spiritually, I pray that's, that's how you do financially. And you guys would be like, do not pray like that. <laughs> Never pray like that. Right? Hey, however you're doing in your walk with God, I pray that's what your health would be like too. Your physical health. You'd be like, no, 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 no. Do not pray like that. <laughs> right? But that's how uh, John is praying for Gaius. And I think that gives us insight into where his heart was. Gaius' heart and and, and walking in the truth and love for him and all of these things. It gives us great insight into that. And I think that's it's amazing for someone to be able to pray for another friend or brother in that way. Now, unfortunately, I think verse 2, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's kind of, for some people, have been seen as a way to say, look, this is what God desires for us. He, he, he not only desires us to be spiritually well and healthy, but what else does he want? He wants us to be physically healthy, and he wants everything to go well for us. And so he also wants us to be financially healthy. You may have heard something along this line. And yeah, of course John is praying for those things, but it's clear that he is praying for someone whom he loves dearly. He, he, they've, they've run a race together in some way. It might have been at a distance, but still there was this bond because they were working and striving together for the truth. And it would be weird for John to say, look, I don't want you to be healthy. I want you to struggle. Or it would be weird for him to say, I don't want things to go well for you. And so, of course, I think naturally as a friend and brother, this is what John would write. And I don't think we should see this as anything more than that. In fact, I think the focus of what John is saying is on how well he is doing spiritually. Right? Verse 3. And I think he's going to go into a little more detail 
For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. Walking in the truth. You know, truth is something that I think John is going to talk about a lot in the, those three epistles, those three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And we've been going through this, uh, through this the last few weeks or months. We know that in 1st John 5.20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Pastor John just talked about this last week, 2 John, verses 4 to 7. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as you were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, a way of referring to the church, we think, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandments, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should, what? Walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. A simple way of understanding what walking in the truth is, is it just means living it out. So it's not just a mental gathering of understanding truth. It's not just assenting to truth in your mind where you believe it to be true. You're convinced of it. You trust it. But now it's because of that trust you actually live your life according to those truths. You walk in it. And this was very important for John because the problem that the early church often faced was what? False teachers. It's also true for us today. The spirit of a deceiver and the spirit of the Antichrist. And if we remember... Even from way back in the beginning of the word, if we look at the beginning of Genesis, what was Satan's tactic from day one? To deceive and to lie to God's children. The serpent convinced Adam and Eve that, uh, that uh, convinced them of lies concerning God's character. Surely you will not die if you eat the fruit of that tree. How can God kill you for such a petty thing? Don't worry. Just enjoy it. You're not going to die. And the Bible is full of warnings of false teachers who are actually doing what? Trying to get us to be convinced of a false gospel. The reality of all of this is that as hard as it is for us to accept and maybe understand today, because I think there's been this steady push and a constant sort of uh, a force that, that wants us to believe that the most important thing is what we ourselves as individuals believe to be true. And that's what our children are learning. More and more. As time goes. But if you think about what that really means, it's that old tactic of Satan where he would have us become judges and God would just serve us. What we think is right, what we think is just, what we think is fair, what we think 
is true. But that's not what John's been writing about. That's not what John has been teaching us about. And so his commendation to Gaius is that, look, you are walking in the truth. It's not a simple understanding of the truth. You're not some theologian sitting on a hill judging others who are not living in truth. But you are walking it. And we're going to find out next week, specifically, he was commended for his hospitality. And so walking in the truth came at a cost to Gaius. It hurt him. It wasn't something that was easy to do. It was something that was costly for him to do. And yet he did it. And the second thing I want us to think about today, walking in the truth and living that out, look at verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy. No greater joy? You know, joy, I think, if we try to just think about joy and, you know, a, a sort of a dictionary understanding of joy. We just, we tend to think of joy as just extreme happiness, right? It's like there's, uh, you know, I'm sort of happy, there's really happy, then there's joy, right? I don't know, you know, whatever, whatever in our lives kind of will bring about those kinds of results, like a, a nice cup of coffee in the morning before you head off to work. Maybe that's like you know, down kind of here at the bottom. Maybe up here at the top is like, I don't know, you know, like birth of your child, right? Marriage, um, uh, something much more substantial or weighty uh, when it comes. And that, that's how we often tend to think about joy. And, you know, biblically, when we understand joy, I think, man, the, the Bible is just full of this conversation. So it is a little bit difficult to just narrow it down to one thing. But if I could try to, you know, real quickly talk about biblical joy, it's this state that comes about because of our relationship with God, right? And I think the difference between sort of our understanding of that state of, 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 of joy and rejoicing in God and rejoicing in, in the life that he's given to us, when we tend to think of sort of this happiness or sort of that scale of emotions, extreme joy, happiness, whatever, it's usually it's a, an emotion that results as a consequence, as a result of something. Whereas biblical joy is in spite of something. And so we see countless times in the New Testament that even when his disciples are suffering, even when it comes at a, at a cost to what normally we would say is terrible, this shouldn't be something to rejoice in, we find the disciples of Christ rejoicing. Whether it's persecution, whether it's loss, whether it's a struggle, whatever it is, it's not as a result of something, it's in spite of something. Because of that relationship we have in Christ. And for John, when he says to guys, look, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Man. You know, some of you know that a big part of my ministry life was being a youth pastor. And one of the things about being a youth pastor is, you know, there are Sundays when I'm driving home from church and I was just like, you're just like, man, did anyone hear what I had to say? <laughs> was there any impact, you know, to, to what I did today at church? And 
you know, sometimes it just looks like no one's paying attention. It looks like they're all distracted. Sometimes it just seems like people wanted to come to church because of their friends or their parents made them, whatever, whatever. But I'll never forget one day, uh, one of uh, my old youth students from a different church I was at, and um, he called me, and it was like 11 p.m. at night. So I picked it up because usually it's, it's, it's bad news, right? Um, but he was on the East Coast. So I was like, dude, it's like 2 a.m. his time. And it was someone who never really talked to me ever. Four years at church through youth ministry, no matter how many times I asked him, how you doing? It's just always the same thing. Good. Good week, Pastor. And he calls me, and he just starts. He's like, you know, this is a little weird, but I just wanted to just share a little bit. And he just started thanking me, and I couldn't get him to stop talking. And I think he was actually a little drunk. I don't know. Um, maybe not. So that's why I'm not going to say who it was. But it, it just, the, and I can't express to you today, I, I remember just this feeling I had in my heart of like, man, he's like grown up in spite of my sort of lacking in ministry, et cetera, et cetera, all of those things. Like I'm seeing him growing Uh, as a young man. And it was one of the most rewarding phone calls (laughs) I've ever had in my life, you know, just to to feel like whatever role, maybe I had a small part of him just growing in Christ. And so I can imagine now John, you know, in a way, as the spiritual father, right, to Gaius. And, and maybe he would look at this local church and this congregation, and he would even consider them as his dear children to say, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And my encouragement and challenge for uh, us here at Crossway is that, that that would be something that we also pursue. You know, I always see on social media, you know, I am terrible at social media, but I'm trying, you guys. But, you know, people post life events, and I'm always, when I see it, you know, I, I try to congratulate them. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. Ooh, praying for your new child, whatever it is. And there are great moments of celebration. And you can see just the, the list of comments. And, you know, there's all kinds of emojis and exclamation marks people are using. And, and everyone's trying to express their happiness for them. But is there a greater joy than what John is talking about here? Seeing someone growing in faith, walking in the truth, being faithful to the gospel. And for Paul and Janet, that's my prayer for you guys as well. That as you go to New York and as you serve in a new community and as you serve in a new ministry, or or Paul, you've already started, but that this would be something you pursue. That you would become a spiritual father to many. That you would also make this proclamation. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. And you think, man, why, why would that even be a source of joy for John? Right? Because when we, when we think about someone subject, subjecting themselves to rules and laws, we think, oh, that's a, that's, well, oh, man, more, more authority in my life. More, I can't do this. I can't do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. And, and I think we're misunderstanding 
the intention of God and his rules and laws. I have a brief, really brief clip I want to show you guys. And it's from uh, our dear late brother Tommy. And, And you guys, if you knew him, you knew what kind of person he was. He came to church ready to serve. And he had this smile on his face always. And it wasn't like this fake thing I think he was put. It, it was just, you almost felt like as he walked into church at 7.30 a.m. on Sunday, you're like, man, this is my cup of coffee. Here's my caffeine jolt. If he can come to church like this, then, man, I need to figure out how to really be more excited and joyful and awake and alert. But he, I wanted, what I wanted to share was he talks about as he transitioned from being an atheist to being someone who subjected himself to the laws of God and of Christ and, and what he discovered about that. But let's just watch real quick. No, I did, for me, I, I don't know if I, I have any authority in this. I, I could just tell you what's happened in my life and, and uh, you know, how I've become essentially a hedonist, an atheist hedonist, I guess, to someone who's willing to subject my life to rules and understanding what these uh, rules and boundaries are meant to do in my life. It's not to put me in prison, it's to um, help me to realize the best of who I can possibly be and not the worst. He said it so succinctly, but so well. Right? God's desire is for us to be free, to be who we were created to be. And those laws that he puts in the word for us to follow and to learn and understand his heart, and that's God's intention. To have his children experience a joyful life. That's the benefit of walking in the truth. So it's almost like a double-sided coin, right? It's not only joy in seeing someone walking in the truth, but there is also joy in walking in the truth. And that's why John is able to write this to Gaius. So if I could wrap up our time here today, this morning. Maybe I could just ask a simple question. Is there joy in your life? Is there joy in your heart? Are you running, but you feel like you're not getting to where you're supposed to be going? Or maybe you've even accomplished so many of the goals that you've already set before you in life from when you were a youngster to now, and you've been checking off your list. I'm here now. I've done this now. I've accomplished this finally. And yet feels like something is lacking. That's the case. I just want to encourage you to strongly consider what John wrote to Gaius here. There's joy and great joy in walking in the truth. And there's great joy in leading others in that same walk. And there's great joy in, in actually walking together with someone for truth. And if you're not actively engaged in that journey, you're a spectator and you're just watching, then what are you waiting for? Jump in, run, walk, strive together with someone for something beautiful. 
And you will see how joyful that run is. To be able to say to someone, man, I see how well you're doing spiritually. I hope that your health catches up. Crossway, brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul and Janet are brothers and brother and sister in New York in Christ soon. May this be something that challenges us and moves us and motivates us. Let's pray. Generally, Father, we, we know that there's no greater joy in the kingdom of heaven when a soul comes to know you and love you and follow after you. And we pray that we would remember that eternal joy and how we live. Lord, that we would also be faithful people walking in the truth, but that we would also understand the joy of leading and pushing and motivating and helping someone to also walk in that truth. So be with us, be with Paul and Janet as they make that move. It's all the way across the country, but it's, it's not that far away, Lord. And we're all striving together in this truth of the gospel, Lord. So we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.